0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Some more today on the rollout of Australia's COVID vaccination program because from today the next phase goes to a new level and you might say it's getting to the pointy end for another six or seven million more Australians. No doubt this is one of the most contentious issues that we've faced in Australia. And Vision, I might say, up front does not have a position on vaccines because we're not medical professionals. But we can try to help make sense of the issues as we each have to make our own decisions about it. And while earlier vaccines have been celebrated by most, the COVID vaccine is a new vaccine. With many concerns, authorities are rushing the rollout. Well, up until now, the Pfizer vaccine has been used for frontline workers, for aged care residents and vulnerable people. The hopes of the world appear to be riding on vaccines to contain the COVID pandemic. More in this important conversation today about Christians and vaccination with the hope of informing and resolving some more of the controversies that have arisen. Most of us will be offered the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is much easier to distribute than the Pfizer vaccine. Of course, the other one in the mix will be the Novavax vaccine. So, more conversation today about the safety and ethical issues with expert Christian insight. Our special guest today is Associate Professor Megan Best. She is a Christian bioethicist. A research associate with the Institute for Ethics and Society, a senior lecturer in research at the University of Notre Dame, Australia, and at the University of Sydney. She has a clinical background in palliative medicine and holds an appointment in the palliative care service at the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Sydney. She's taught medical ethics at tertiary level for many years and is internationally known for her work in ethics from a Christian perspective. And Dr. Megan Best is part of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. Megan, a special welcome back to 2020.
1: Thank you very much, Neil.
0: Uh, Megan, uh, let me just start with the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. And uh, Christian doctors uh, have their own deep Uh, thoughts Uh, some will have uh, issues not everyone no doubt will be on the same page Uh, but there is actually a special meeting tonight of the christian medical and dental fellowship of australia and uh, looking through the ideas of coming up with a uh, a special statement on vaccinations Uh, what are you aware of so far as that meeting tonight
1: Uh, It's a a meeting of the ethics management group um, which focuses on ethical issues of uh, medical and dental and nursing care and uh, we will be discussing um, the need for a position statement. Um, We have a draft which we're looking at and I think that uh, we will basically be reinforcing um, the public health guidelines that the health department have put out while realizing that there will be some ethical challenges uh, for some people, but we need to, um, I, I don't want to preempt what the final decision will be uh, because I'm only one member of the group. Uh, But I expect that's the way the discussion will go tonight.
0: If we're looking at the issue overall, uh, an evaluation of the way things have begun to to look, I mean, there are so many people with so many positions. And as you say, the likelihood (laughs) that there might be an alignment with the official health positions, that's not going to satisfy everyone, is it? Because there are so many controversies and uh, challenging thoughts on the issue.
1: Yes, look, I think it's normal to have questions and concerns and possibly feel hesitant about a new vaccination program. And as you've already said, they are new vaccines. Um, But I think with um, the Internet and social media, it's getting very hard to to separate misunderstandings and false information uh, from the facts. And I'm concerned that a lot of people are being very concerned about the vaccination um, in areas where there's really no need for concern. So I think it's good we can have something like this today to, to give people a chance to ask questions about things they've heard. But uh, i just like to say it's very important people go to reliable sources of information, such as the health department websites for each state and, and, and federally in Australia to just check the things they've heard against the facts, because it would be a great pity if the vaccination program didn't, didn't uh, find success just because people misunderstood what the vaccines actually do. So um, I, I would encourage people to uh, try to find a reliable source for, uh, of information to, to answer the questions they have. But uh, I think there's absolutely no doubt that vaccination programs are a well-proven public health strategy to reduce illness in the community. But perhaps what some people might not realise is that it's necessary for about 85 to 95% of the community to be vaccinated for um, an infection to be effectively um Sort of in, for practical purposes, eradicated in the community. And that's why it's important that we think about the needs of our community and not just our own. Uh, preferences when we think through questions of vaccination.
0: Given the emotive polarisation that has happened and anyone who's uh, searched detail and certainly people who are on social media will know that there is a a huge amount of controversy here. Do you Mm. think it will even be possible? Uh, in a nation like Australia to get a 95% uh, vaccination coverage that would be the effective way of tackling COVID? Because if you look at the sorts of uh, issues that are arising, the conspiracy theories that people are caught up with, uh, that that is even a possibility.
1: Look, I th- I I think Australians um, are sensible and considerate people. We have a very reliable... Um, government program testing all medications that are available to Australians, uh, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, which uh, very carefully vets any um, medication that's released or, or treatment that's released in this country. And I think that uh, when, as the program rolls out and people see that it is quite safe and, and that uh, some of the um, some of the things that have been predicted actually don't happen, Uh, people don't get COVID from the vaccine, things like that, that uh, there will be a good community response. And the the Department of Health have been quite encouraged by the response so far.
0: Uh, Megan, some people just will not trust anyone, including the TGA and including any of our Australian health authorities. Uh, When you are a Christian, how do you... Uh, Understand uh, who you can trust here because uh, there are some Christians who are so Christian they won't trust anyone who's not Christian and uh, there are issues around obviously uh, the conspiracy theories that surround uh, the vaccinations and so people are often pointing the fingers at the health authorities saying they're just bowing to say Big Pharma or they haven't heard all of the information I've heard how do you make sense of Christians and our faith and the way we might even trust a uh, organisation like the TGA and health authorities even here in Australia?
1: I think that uh, Christians can't make good ethical decisions without facts. And while our ethics will be informed by our Christian belief and perhaps the ethical significance of different things, may be different for a Christian than other people, the facts remain the same. So I I really do think it's important that Christians check their facts against a reliable source like the government. Um, But I understand it can be hard to get to some some sort of medical facts these days, uh, and there, there certainly are different agendas from different groups. On different bioethical issues that that can make it hard to get to the facts. So I would say um, an organisation like the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia is certainly one group that you could contact if you wanted uh, specifically Christian advice. And uh, there are certainly Christian ethics groups. Uh, around the internet that have good information. The Centre of Bioethics and Human Dignity in the USA has some very good resources on uh, the COVID vaccination programs around the world. Um, so there certainly are Christian websites you can go to. And I'm actually in the process of setting up um, a Christian bioethics website for Australian Christians so that you can get local reliable biblical
0: information. Wonderful. And we'll look forward to talking about that when you've got things set up. Megan, last time we had a conversation like this, uh, you were mm-hmm. my guest and uh, there was uh, a response that came onto a Facebook post at the time. Lots and lots of people expressing concerns. And and as you know, there are so many theories, so many ways that people can look at vaccination. Those are challenging. As Christians, we tend to focus in on those things that have uh, some way that we can uh, adopt uh, understanding from a biblical foundation. And we talked about those sorts of issues like Uh, the cells being used from an aborted baby back in the 1960s. And perhaps we won't recover all of that ground in detail today, and listeners might need to listen to a podcast of our last conversation to get more detail about that. But let's just recap perhaps a few things here on these sorts of issues because there are a lot of people concerned about the use of cells from an aborted baby, even if it goes back decades, uh, to, that is used in the foundation for vaccines today and including the TG, uh, including the AstraZeneca vaccine uh, that's being uh, rolled out as to today. Uh, what are your thoughts here, if we can cover that quickly?
1: I think uh, it, it may have only recently become known to a lot of people in the community that a lot of drug development around the world does use cell lines, that is um, continuing uh, self-replicating cell production uh, for for testing of different drugs. And and, uh, a number of those cell lines originated in tissue taken from an aborted baby back in the 1960s, 1970s. There are a few different cell lines. Uh, And what uh, has now um, become known is that the manufacture of the AstraZeneca vaccine and the testing of most of the vaccines has involved use of one of those cell lines. And so for some people, there'll be a direct ethical line between the uh, the aborted baby back in the 1960s or 1970s and use of the vaccine today. And that certainly is an ethical concern. The trouble with, with the current situation, though, is there's a second ethical concern that we need to consider, and that is in the, while I don't think any Christians would condone uh, abortion, we are uh, in, in sort of elective abortion uh, for... Um, no particular uh, life-saving indication. Uh, I I would say that we've also got the ethical dilemma of wanting to love our neighbours and try to make sure that that 85 to 95% Mm -hmm. of the population are vaccinated. uh, So you've got competing ethical concerns here, the concern for um, the use of abortion in our community and uh, the concern about the need to protect uh, our neighbours uh, from the, what is quite a serious illness, COVID-19 and, um, and, and doing that by actually receiving the vaccine. My own personal view is that given that uh, using the vaccine today doesn't, doesn't make uh, further abortions more likely because this uh, is a historical abortion quite a while ago are uh, that using the vaccine isn't going to increase the rate of abortions. But I can understand that some people have ethical concerns. But I would like people to think about the ethical concern of p- partaking in the vaccine in order to protect uh, our our fellow citizens.
0: Well, I do want but to... In-
1: double-sided, competing ethical concerns.
0: Yes, uh, a balance there. And everyone <laughs> will individually make their own assessment of those positions and uh, we'll need to uh, navigate that going forward. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We are talking vaccinations today, 1-800-316-316. Our talkback line is open. Our very special guest is Associate Professor Megan Best a Christian bioethicist and part of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. They're going to be meeting tonight and they're coming up with a formal position statement on vaccines and we'll bring you that statement when that statement arises. But, Megan, let's take some calls from listeners and let's, first of all, take a call from Greg in Ararat in Victoria. Hello, Greg. Welcome. Hello. How are you? Very well, Greg. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are... I, I believe it should be left up to the individual to, ta- to take
1: the vaccination, and the reason why I believe that is because I believe if you're a real believer and you keep the laws of adultery and all the other laws that are, and all the other laws that I've been talking about over the past few weeks, yep. I think that it has a big
0: part into whether you get COVID nineteen or not, because your your godly your godly content is too high, so the COVID nineteen is only a is only a, in my view is only a um, it's it's too cond- condescending. Okay, you're talking about really the mandatory nature, and at the moment it's not mandatory. But a thought or two here from Megan for Greg.
1: Uh, Greg, you are correct uh, in thinking that it should be uh, a matter of, of personal choice, and that's certainly what the government has decided is that. It is up to the individual to decide which, um, whether they, they want to have the vaccine or not. But I, I would suggest that uh, the virus itself can be quite contagious. There are some new variants we haven't really seen in Australia which are highly contagious. And I don't think we can be confident that if more virus were in the community that we wouldn't be affected. And, and I would just like to say that in Australia, one in three people over 80 years of age that got COVID actually died from it. So it is a very serious disease. And I, I don't think we should base our decision of whether or not to have the vaccine on whether we think we're going to actually catch it, because I don't think we can know who is going to catch the, vac- the, the virus when it's out
0: in the community. Greg, thank you so much for your comment. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Bill is on the line from Western Australia. Hello, Bill. Welcome along.
2: Hello. I I want to just say that these vaccines uh, have been around 20 years. They're nothing new. And they're not approved by the Food and Drug Administration in America or the Centre for Disease Control because they can't prove that they're safe or effective. And they, and they do have two different uh, cell lines from fetal babies in these vaccines, if people want to know that.
0: All right, Bill, uh, let's get a thought or two from uh, Megan. Uh
1: I, I'm not quite sure what your information is, but there are certainly vaccines that have been approved in the United States and that are currently being rolled out. Different vaccines are being used in different countries around the world and, and part of that's due to which vaccines that particular country can get access to, but there certainly uh, is, a, is an active vaccination program in uh, the United States. Uh the, the vaccines that are available to us in Australia have been proven to be uh, effective and safe. Uh, there, there was a recent meeting of the European uh, Medicines Agency after some people raised um, a, a concern that the vaccine, uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine, might be um, associated with increased uh, blood clot formation. But after looking at the evidence, they decided uh, that there was no definite proof of any association and they have uh, recommenced uh, their vaccination program in Europe. I think um, at the moment, there is very good uh, evidence from the United Kingdom and Israel that uh, the Pfizer vaccine is in fact around 90% effective in reducing severe disease and hospitalisation for people who are infected with the COVID-19 vaccine. So the evidence so far is that the vaccines are safe and effective, but there are some historical fetal cell lines that uh, are used in the manufacture of the AstraZeneca virus and that have been used in a number of other... uh, Sorry, the AstraZeneca vaccine and, um, also have been used to test the efficacy of, um, the Pfizer vaccine. That's to see, do they actually give you antibodies against COVID once you have the vaccine? So that just that testing element of, of the vaccine, uh, use those fetal cell lines. There is no actual fetal tissue in the vaccine itself. The vaccine was used in a phase of testing the vaccine for Pfizer and it is used in part of the manufacture of the AstraZeneca vaccine. But there there is no fetal tissue in the vaccine itself. You are not injected with bits of embryo. You are not injected with embryo DNA. None of that tissue is actually in the vaccine itself. The concern is that Fetal cell lines are used in the manufacturing and development processes uh, for the vaccines but there is no fetal tissue in the vaccines themselves. So it. Yes, it's an ethical dilemma and and individuals will need to decide uh, what their conscience dictates.
0: Bill, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to participate in our conversation. Just while we are on the idea of approvals and the suggestion that the vaccines do have approvals, uh, there is some thought here, and I'll get your impression, Megan, the idea of emergency approvals that have been made in nations around the world uh, that are not altogether full approvals. In other words, there's still that element of doubt over the efficacy of the vaccine's long-term or health effects. What are your thoughts on the idea of emergency approvals?
1: Well, I I haven't honestly gone into every country's uh, approval process, so I'm not in a position to comment. But I have looked at what's happened in Australia and we've, we are in such a blessed position here because we haven't had the overwhelming pandemic that uh, has occurred in other countries. The Australian government d- didn't have an emergency situation. There was no time pressure for the Australian government to approve the vaccines because they've done such a great job in controlling the virus. So uh, that might be the case in other countries. I, I'm, I can't say for sure. But in Australia, it wasn't um, an emergency approval. Okay. The TGA got all the information it needed, and um, it uh, went—you know—it went through the normal processes okay. uh, of to check that these vaccines are safe and
0: effective. So in Australia it's not an emergency approval. We'll continue our conversation after Vision National News, 1-800-316-316 to be part of our conversation. Of course I'll just remind listeners at Vision we recognise that this is one of those very contentious issues in the Australian community. There are a variety of positions that have polarised many throughout the Christian community. Megan, let's continue to take calls from listeners. 1-800-316-316 It's a no holds barred conversation you might have your thoughts your opportunity to air those things that you've been hearing questions you might have comments about how you're seeing the vaccine rollout and all of the controversies around it 1-800-316-316 let's take a call from julia in bernie in tasmania hello julia welcome
3: good morning folks um i actually had a question to dr best that relates to a comment you made earlier, Neil, regarding the emergency authority. And I I recognise from your answer that um, the vaccine doesn't fit into that category. But um, my understanding of the history of vaccines is that they're typically developed and tested over sort of 10 or 15 years. So for me and my family, um, and we have... We are immune compromised, so we are in that risk group. But I'm finding it difficult to reconcile using a vaccine that hasn't undergone that testing process um, and therefore has no long-term insights into long-term effects, um, especially when it's it's a vaccine that's addressing something as new as a zoonotic disease, something that you know we don't have a significant history with vaccines with anyway. I was wondering if you could give me I guess, some more clarity or food for thought. Uh,
0: Dr Megan Best, your thoughts for Julia?
3: Um, I am aware that
1: there are concerns that COVID vaccines were developed too quickly to be safe uh, when the timeline is compared with other vaccines available. But I can reassure you, uh, Julia, that these vaccines have been developed without compromising quality, safety or effectiveness And and the reason I can say that is because the whole world was impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic and we saw a level of collaboration between researchers that we've never seen before associated with unprecedented global funding thrown at the development of these vaccines, which has meant that there has been... um, more in terms of resources, including the number of people working on this project in a collaborative way around the world, in a way that we have never seen before for any drug development. Another way that uh, the timeline was sped up was that uh, some phases of development, which are usually done one after another in vaccine development, were done in parallel. Uh, which so the, uh, all the phases of development were actually done properly, but they were done at the same time rather than one after the other. So we do know that all the usual processes uh, for vaccine development were followed for uh, the COVID vaccines. One, um, one thing we also need to remember is that even though COVID-19 is a new virus, It's similar to the SARS uh, virus that we saw a few years ago in Asia. And so there was some knowledge about the type of of vaccine that would be needed. And really, uh, public health experts around the world knew that there was a big pandemic coming for some time. So there were some processes already in place anticipating the need. To, to develop a vaccine quickly. So for all these reasons, even though it's true that the COVID vaccines were developed much more quickly than ever vaccine any other vaccine has ever been developed, it was still done uh, according to the standard uh, the, the standard protocols. Um, but because the COVID pandemic was recognised as, as a worldwide issue. We had worldwide efforts uh, to get it done as quickly and efficiently as possible. And, and really, we should see this rapid development of a vaccine as a blessing rather than a threat. But as I said, the TGA in Australia doesn't let any old drug in there are some drugs that are allowed in america for example that the tga have said look this just isn't safe enough for australians and i have full confidence um that they uh with the information they have that they've checked out the the full development of these vaccines
0: again it comes down to our personal view on whether we trust Our own authorities, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, our health authorities here in Australia. Julia, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. has been waiting patiently. Briony in Penguin in Tasmania. Briony, welcome. Hello. Hi there. What are your thoughts, Briony?
4: Um, I just, you know, a little bit of a bug there about what I heard earlier in response to someone, uh, a bloke was saying it's mandatory um, and the response to him was that it wasn't. But when you see um, the way that high-risk workers are being pressured to uh, particularly nurses, um, social workers, um, doctors... And I even heard recently um, about a nurse, a nurse was mentioning on Facebook, you know, talk thing about it, um, how that ICU nurses will not be able to work in ICU unless they have the vaccine, and then um, and then they'll told, well, they'll be offered another position, but then told there weren't any positions available in the hospital. Um, so it's obvious that, you know, if you don't have the vaccine, you'll be squeezed out of your area of expertise. So, uh, Brayoni, very
0: good it. comments you're making here. Let's get a thought or two from Megan for Bray.
1: I uh, Well, thank you very much for your comments. Uh, I think it's true that uh, normal health and safety issues in uh, different vocations uh, will be... Um, will be in place. Uh, you need a hard hat uh, to go on a construction site and you need a COVID vaccination to work in high-risk areas in healthcare. These these uh, guidelines are introduced for the safety of the individual um, and and I think that that's something we've seen already with other vaccines in children that, that some children won't be allowed in um, I think it's some daycare uh, centres if they haven't had their vaccines. So yes, this, this is a standard practice uh, in health, you know, just health and safety um, in Australia that's been in place for some time and, and it applies uh, to any situation where an individual is at increased risk uh, for their own health if and safety if, if they don't take the precautions that are available. So Sadly, yes, I I expect that will happen.
0: Briony, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open on 1800 316 316. Just before we take another call, uh, what's been helpful, I think, in trying to discern a path forward in these sorts of things in my own thinking, I'll run this by you too here, Megan, the idea of separating what's a health issue with the vaccine and what's a uh, like the idea of a mandatory nature which is appears to be where a lot of the controversy comes from we don't want to be told we have to have a vaccine Uh, separating those two ideas uh, gives you some level of ability to discern what's important here and and what is likely to be an impact but uh, but might not be to do with the health of the vaccine
1: Yes, I do think it's important, and that's one reason why it's important to get reliable facts. Uh, because we, uh, yes, there, there are different uh, elements of um, uh, of the vaccine rollout that will affect different people depending on, you know, their age, uh, where they work, um, all sorts of of different factors will affect you. But I think we can say quite plainly that. In terms of your own conscience, if you really don't want to get the vaccine, the government won't force you. But you, you, we all have to take responsibility for our decisions. And if there is a health and safety issue um, that employers need to, uh, to enforce, well, that's, that's quite a different issue to whether or not you feel it's ethical to uh, receive the vaccine. Um, And it's certainly a different issue to whether or not uh, the vaccine is going to work. So that we, we need to separate all these different
0: issues. You're quite right. Okay, and uh, no doubt, while the government says it's not mandatory, uh, as you're indicating, when it comes to hospitals, and if you want to be one of those workers working in the ICU, uh, there's already protocols in place about how people are, uh, in some ways here, protected, if they're going to work in those uh, high-risk environments for patients. Uh, but it'll be that's a little not, bit it'll be different, won't it? For you, you
1: you for you. Uh, you can't work at a hospital now, if you haven't been vaccinated against everything you can be vaccinated against. So I have to um, keep my vaccination program up to date as a hospital doctor. Um, it's just part of the employment package. And, that, and and COVID's not going to be an exception. It's going to just join the list um, with all the other things I've been vaccinated against in order to work in hospitals. So this isn't COVID-specific. This is just standard protocol for healthcare workers that if you want to work with sick people, you need to receive the vaccines that will protect you against those infections uh, because your employer is looking out for you. And it's not um, discrimination. It is health and safety for employers. And it's it's been in place for decades. And it's, it's certainly not a new thing for COVID.
0: And uh, so many will feel as though that's a trampling on their rights uh, to a level of freedom of making a decision one way or the other. Let's continue to take some calls. Let's hear from Marguerite in Rockhampton. Hello, Marguerite.
5: How are you today? Oh, um, well, thank interesting you. Interesting listening to um, everything about the mandatory situation. Um, we have... Um, We are feeling as if we're pressured to take this vaccine and unfortunately it has, um, so I have been told it's been killing animals up to three months even though they said that they were ready for a pandemic to come and it was um, like man-made, they knew what was going to happen the animals were being killed by the injection three months before they brought it on to, to put it into humans.
0: Okay, Marguerite, now, let's just deal with uh, one issue here. Uh, any thoughts here, Megan Best?
1: Uh, I'm not familiar with, um, with the vaccine killing animals, but I, I do know that uh, if any health concerns have arisen about the vaccine uh, both before and after it's been introduced, um these these um these reports are taken very seriously and investigated and to date uh, there has not been any significant health risks associated with the vaccines being used in Australia.
0: Okay, let's see if we can get through as many calls as we can. Thank you so much for that contribution, Marguerite. Let's hear from Ronald on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Hello, Ronald, welcome. Yeah, hello. Ronald,
2: what are uh, your thoughts? I have to say, uh, I just have a quick question. Uh, I heard about the Pfizer vaccine and the AstraZeneca vaccine that they both have been uh, developed uh, using embryo cells uh, some kind. And uh, I was just wondering, is there any COVID vaccine out there that has been developed
0: without any cells, embryo cells? Good. Ronald, a thought from Megan?
1: Yes, there are some uh, internationally, but... uh, Two vaccines currently available in Australia have used embryonic cell lines. The manufacture of the AstraZeneca vaccine and the testing of its efficacy involved uh, fetal cell lines and just the testing of the efficacy of Pfizer used embryo cell lines. So the ones available in Australia have used uh, embryo
4: cell so
0: lines. Ronald, thank you so much for your call, and it is all in the mix when it comes to sorting out how you understand what the decisions are we're all going to be called to make. Let's hear from Richard in Alstonville in New South Wales. Hello, Richard. Welcome.
2: Hey, uh, young guys. Um, my question is like, yes, as a Christian, I'm I'm thinking about the ethical things as well, like um, from abortion point of view and everything as well, but. Um, the issue, the two things, the two things that really bother me is the fact that this is being used as a a corporate tool, and I'm concerned that it is being corporatized um, from maybe not so much of a government thing, but from the big corporations around the world. And the other, the other thing, the other thing that concerns me about it is if, why, why are certain risk groups being given Pfizer, and then and not being given AstraZeneca and other groups being and a majority of other groups being given AstraZeneca and yeah, so what I'm trying to say is with, with that second one is if AstraZeneca is safe, why are they not giving it to elderly people and people in risk and people in you know high, high um, like you know health quarantine or healthcare or whatever like that uh,
0: Richard making some good th- points there let's hear from Megan
1: um Well, you've raised a couple of issues there. First of all, a lot of the decision of who gets which vaccine are just practical decisions of what's available. The Pfizer vaccine was approved first, so it was the one used first. Um, the, uh, The storage requirements are different for different vaccines, so there's some practical issues about uh, transport and storage of vaccines that need to be uh, taken into account. So, as far as I'm aware, it's practical considerations rather than uh, which you know the the nature of the different vaccines that that decides who gets what. And uh, certainly, the whole vaccine rollout in Australia is designed that the people at the highest risk of getting the the virus and those who would be most seriously impacted if they got infected by the virus are the groups that are being vaccinated first. And then as people are less likely to be exposed to the virus and less likely to have serious disease, they're a bit further down the line. So I think it's a a very logical way to roll out the virus. I must say I don't quite understand your concern about corporatisation i i'm sorry i am not familiar with that concern
0: richard we won't follow through that either because we've got a, some more calls to take but richard thank you so much for your call richard from alstonville in new south wales let's take a call from carol in new south wales and our talkback line open 1-800-316-316 let's hear from carol hi carol <laughs>
5: Oh, hi, Neil. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, Dr. Betts, I really appreciate Vision putting this program over because I'm 70 years of age. I have an underlining condition of adult onset asthma. Initially, uh, I was against taking the vaccine. But thanks be to God with your um, facts, uh, listening to you on two occasions, I've now decided to take... The vaccination, and I was concerned about um, the fetal part, but you 've answered that that there is nothing in the vaccine, um, so that 's ticked my box there, and then you 've just answered my other query uh, Israel had the um, the other one the visor, um, but you just answered my query on that that um, you know there it is so I will be taking it um, because uh, I I must be considerate to my neighbor. So I do appreciate and thank you Neil and and thank you Dr. Beth. Uh,
0: Carol, uh, good thoughts there and uh, Megan, your response here for Carol.
1: Oh, I'm really glad that we've been able to answer your your queries and and I hope that we've been able to answer a lot of the concerns other people listening have had. Uh, because as I say, that a lot of our concerns about the vaccine um, can be influenced by by discussions that perhaps are misinformed um, regarding the facts. So it's, it's good to get the facts straightened out. And I think that a lot less concern will be uh, experienced in the community about the vaccine as we understand more about it.
0: Uh, thank you so much, Carol, and I think we'll need to put a line under calls today running short of time. want to just bring you back, uh, Megan, to the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia, and uh, this is the body that's made up of Christian doctors and people who are in uh, health industries, and uh, meeting tonight to produce a formal position statement about vaccination and uh, the idea that well some people might have thought uh, there could have been a position statement a little earlier than today because uh, today one uh, uh, B phase is being rolled out another 6 million Aussies uh, ready to make decisions about the vaccine I-, I wonder if you and i know you can't preempt what a, a statement will uh, will in fact include uh, but uh, what are your thoughts for what the ethics committee at the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia uh, might come up with uh, in their statement?
1: My my gut feeling, and, and as you say, I can't preempt what other people will say, but my feeling from the email discussions we've had to date uh, that there's a very strong support for the public health guidelines put out by our Department of Health while at the same time acknowledging that there are some ethical problems with these vaccines. But as a group, we have no concern about the safety and the efficacy of this vaccine or vaccination programs in general. Uh, so while acknowledging that there are ethical concerns, when we balance up the, the benefits of the vaccine versus the risks of not using it, I expect that while uh, recognising it is up to the individual's conscience whether you want to go ahead with the vaccination, that our advice will be to be vaccinated, according to government guidelines.
0: Perhaps just uh, finishing off with the understanding here that this is more complex than most people seem to want a, you know, a simple blanket. Uh, everyone agrees one way or another. But as you say, people are different ages, uh, different health conditions. Uh, there's also uh, issues around uh, women of childbearing age and uh, people who are pregnant. Uh, <laughs> those sorts of issues, uh, and then of course children and teenagers and and people who are. Yes, there are, are
1: some groups where the the, um, the trials have not been completed. And one way to keep up to date with those issues is once again to look at the Department of Health websites because uh, they do have specific guidelines for elderly people, for pregnant women, for women wanting to become pregnant, for women who are breastfeeding all that information is
0: available on the Department of Health website. And for a lot of people, uh, no doubt even the discussion today won't have resolved issues as they did for our last caller there. But uh, for people who've got concerns about the ethics Uh, people have got concerns about the health issues associated with this i mentioned a little earlier check with your gp your trusted doctor uh, or even run those sorts of issues by your local pastor or priest Uh, what are your thoughts on the wisdom of uh, using the expertise in your local community that you have personal access to that you can eyeball face to face and with the expectation that they might be across these issues megan
1: I, I'm getting a sense of, of the, um, the responses to to the radio programs has been that there's a lot of distrust of government authorities, of corporations, of people in authority. And I think that if you are not confident in those, those people, it's, it is best to talk to those people you do know and you do trust and ask their advice. Because in the end... There are the issues about whether the vaccine works, whether it's safe, and your GP knows you, they know your healthcare situation, your any health issues you have, they can actually personalise their advice to you and your family. And then there are the ethical issues around the um, the need to support um, the people in our community uh, by joining in the vaccination effort uh, versus the concern about historic use of fetal cell lines. And these are valid ethical concerns, and I do think that talking to your local minister uh, would be uh, a very wise way to go ahead, once again, with someone who knows you, who you trust, and from whom you will be able to get... um, information that you can be confident about.
0: And this conversation will likely on a podcast be available mid-afternoon if you want to listen to any of these details again. And let me just re-emphasise, Vision does not have a position on vaccines because we're not medical professionals, but we can try to help make sense of the issues as we each have to make our own decisions about it. Our special guest today has been Dr Megan Best. She is part of the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia. She did say they are working on a position statement and likely perhaps this week that will be available. I'll point people to the website CMDFA. .org.au. It's the Christian Medical and Dental Fellowship of Australia, cmdfa.org.au. They do have a publication called Luke's Journal, and no doubt there'll be more and more detail coming in Luke's Journal as to how Christian doctors are talking about the vaccine. cmdfa.org.au. Dr. Megan Best, and uh, you know, uh, Megan, for people to connect with you, uh, just remind me, you have a website too, and I don't have it written down here. Uh, what's the best way for people uh, to connect? It's
1: not, it's not fully functional, but um, I can be contacted uh, through the University of Notre Dame, um, Australia, where I work at the Institute for Ethics and Society, and my, my email is on the website okay, of all right. the Institute for Ethics and Society.
0: Wonderful. Uh, Megan, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020.
1: Thank you, Neil.
3: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media.
5: To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.